0: I don't want us to be uh, a people that go to see, go to hear, but I want us to be able to do, uh, participate in worship. Um, so I think as, as if you were writing a research paper and citing footnotes at the bottom, we need to um, look at a song and see if we can figure out and know that it comes from Scripture.
1: Welcome to today's Discover Crosspoint podcast. My name is Scott Kappelman, and I am so excited to welcome Ms. Shayra Bazin to today's podcast. Ms. how are you?
0: I'm doing well. Thank Good you for having me.
1: Well, I am so glad you agreed to do this. I know it was a little bit, uh, there was some reluctance on your part.
0: Yes, there we was. We had several
1: conversations. <laughs> In fact, Mr. Carl, when I first brought this up, he said, if you can get her to do this, that'll be pretty impressive. And here you are.
0: I don't know how that happened.
1: <laughs> I'm impressed. So thank you for doing it. Well,
0: thank you for keeping on asking me. <laughs>
1: All right. If you don't mind, Miss Shara, I know some people know you in our church. Uh, primarily, this podcast is for people from our church, but there will be some people listening that don't know your background. So, share a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and where you went to high school, and just those kind of things, so people can begin to get to know you.
0: Well, uh, I grew up in uh, Baldwin, a little community, r- really right outside of Baldwin, called Jericho, and uh, my mother was a fourth grade teacher. My dad was a farmer, and um, we just had a good life there in the country, and um, I lived uh, practically in the shadow of Bryce's Crossroads Battlefield site, so that was an interesting um, place to grow up because people were always visiting and um, people from all over the country, and they would have um, battle reenactments from time to time, and so we would get all dressed up, and Uh, participate in that and so um, you
1: participated in those reenactments then
0: well as a child i would dress up in in that and um it was it was fun That's neat. when the battlefield when the battle actually happened um it was loud and it was it was always in june so it was really hot but uh people would come from all over and the the people that like to travel to the different sites would be there in their uh, Civil War attire, so it was it was an interesting time.
1: Now, I've been to Bryce's Crossing. I don't think I've ever visited the battlefield per se, but I know where it is. And your family lived right on the battlefield.
0: Well, pretty close. Um, as a matter of fact, um, the land that I grew up on Um, has now been sold back to the battlefield site. So they're going to make it part of the national uh, park there. And there, actually, my dad passed away in 2019. So after he passed away, they let him live on the land. uh, And then after that, all of it went back to the national battlefield site. So they're in the process now of um, making it uh, part of the site that people can Come and visit.
1: That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, you said your mother was a fourth-grade teacher. Did you ever have your mother as your teacher? I did not. Okay.
0: Um, fourth grade uh, at Baldwin consisted of two classrooms. My mother was Mrs. Palmer. The other teacher was Miss Palmer, and I had her. So I was right across the hall from my mother. Now,
1: was she related to your family?
0: And distantly, not not close, but distantly.
1: Do you know if your mother requested that you be with her rather than in her class, or was that a school rule?
0: I think it was kind of a school rule. I don't, okay. I don't think that I could have been in her class, which was probably for the better. But um,
1: Well, my mother taught, and thankfully, during the time when I was going through elementary school, she taught at a different elementary. I was going to Holka. She was teaching at South Pontotoc. And the same thing happened for my middle sister. She was my mother was still at South Pontotoc when she went through. But by the time my baby sister came through, she had moved to Holka. Was teaching first grade when my baby sister went through first grade, oh, okay. and she actually had her. Oh yeah, which created some interesting <laughs> situations at our <laughs> right. house. That's why I was curious if yeah. you had your mother. Yeah,
0: no, no, I did not. But it was a small school, so um, you she know, she was right there. She was right there. Everybody was very close.
1: That makes sense. Yes. Did your mother put a lot of pressure on you to write well and have neat handwriting and those kind of things? My mother did that even though she was not at our school.
0: I don't really remember that. Um okay. that she was like she that.
1: was not the school teacher at home as well as at school. Not really. Okay. Not really. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's a good thing. So when you graduated from high school, you took off and eventually you made your way to Mississippi State, but you didn't come directly here. So talk a little bit about that.
0: I did not. Um If I look back at my um, senior um, book that you write all your goals and ambitions, I put down I wanted to go to Northeast uh, Mississippi, uh, Well, actually it was Northeast Junior College at the time, now it's Community College, and then uh, transferred to Mississippi State, and that's what I did. Uh, I said I wanted to major in music, and that's what I did, so I really followed my goals there. Um, we were um, I was a part of the Baptist Student Union there at Northeast, and then uh, we came, actually Carl and I met um, at Northeast, and then he already had plans to come to Mississippi State to major in civil engineering, so he did that as well. So we both followed our paths individually, and then uh, the Lord saw fit to put us together.
1: That's neat. Now, if I remember this correctly, we brought our college students from Cross Point to your house recently on a Sunday night and did a fellowship and got the two of you to share about your life. And so your first date was very fascinating. So tell everyone on the podcast how that went down.
0: Okay. Um, well, we, we had met, um, we actually reconnected um, at Northeast and... Um, his brother, I'll backtrack yeah, just a bit. Yeah, you need to backtrack. Bit. His brother was uh, a part-time minister of music at my little church when he was in college, and his brother is 10 years older. So if his brother is like 20 or 21, then that meant Carl was like 10 or 11. And I remember Carl coming to the church with his brother, and actually I remember the RAs took a trip... And they stopped by our house just to say hey. So I remember Carl coming in my house when he was like ten or eleven and sitting in my den. Uh, You know, that's kind of fun to think about now that he's my husband. But um, so we knew each other from that time. So when we got to Northeast, we were like, um, you know, I know who you are, and we had similar similar friend groups that would eat lunch together and um, all of that kind of thing. And we were both in the chorus, and um, the choral director's father passed away. And so um, I was not at home. I was at a birthday party, but my mom got a call and she said, she called me and she said, Carl Bazen called and he wants you to go to the funeral home to uh, the choral director's dad's um, Visitation. visitation. And I was like, okay. So (laughs) I came home and, um, we went. So at that point I was like, okay, that was nice. Um, but, um, that night he said, homecoming's coming up this weekend. Would you like to go? So I thought, well, you know, this was good to, um, go and uh, do that. So, um, we went to homecoming together, and I remember that was in October, and um, he started talking about the State on Miss game, Like, and I thought, well, that's November, so things must be going okay. So, <laughs> so four years later, uh, we got married, but uh, that was the start of our dating um, life. It was a funeral life. visitation. It was a funeral visitation, so... Um, Ladies out there, don't be afraid to <laughs> to uh, go to that if um, that happens to be where you get asked for the first date. And guys, if you're okay. looking for
1: a good first date that could potentially lead to marriage, find a funeral visitation. Check the
0: newspaper, I guess.
1: <laughs> find a girl to go with you to the visitation. If she hangs with you, she may be a candidate. That's
0: right. That's right.
1: I thought that was kind of funny. Miss <laughs> Scherer, if you would, I know faith has been a big part of your life, so share how you came to meet Jesus and decide to follow Him?
0: Well, my parents were very faithful members uh, there at Jericho, and um, so we were there every time the doors opened, and um, I learned about Jesus at a very early age. Um, when I was about 10, I did walk the aisle, and I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but at that point in time, I don't know if I fully understood what it meant to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And I do remember uh, an event uh, as I was a senior in high school where I did ask Jesus to be the Lord, the Savior, the Master of my life. So I count that as when I really um, came to know Him and believe in Him.
1: That's great. Now, music has always been a huge part of your life, but I don't think I've heard you talk about Uh, how you came to begin to take piano lessons or what made you interested? Were your mom and dad musically oriented? How did all that get started?
0: Well, music was a part of our life. Uh, My parents were not um, as far as uh, musically inclined as far as having an instrument or playing an instrument or really singing solos or anything like that, but um, gospel music was a part of our life uh, growing up. Um, I do remember uh, going to the all-night singings, and we stayed a really long time, and um, it was a, a fun experience. And But when I was um, in second grade, my mom just decided that I would start taking piano lessons. So I did, and um, I guess I never stopped, but when when um uh, I was in elementary school, I went to um a, a music, an elementary music class. And uh, I remembered the teacher. She was just really a fun person and just had a lot of activities. And I remember being in that class and thinking, this is what I really want to do. I want to be an elementary elementary music teacher. And um, so I continued piano. I did play piano, starting, Uh, I guess I was 10 or 11 years old playing hymns in our church, and that continued through high school and college. I played organ. Um, So music has been a part of my life um, since that time.
1: Was it difficult to learn the organ after learning the piano? Because my mother played the piano first and then learned how to play the organ later.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you just have to learn uh, the foot. Pedals uh, as an extra um, octave that you're um, that you're dealing with, but um, and then the different keyboards and the different sounds. um, But I really enjoyed that, so I, um, you know, was able to do that in our church. Did you
1: teach yourself, or did you have someone work with you to learn the organ?
0: I taught myself a good bit but I did take organ lessons um, at a church uh, in Chipelo uh, for a summer and uh, learned a lot there. so um, do you
1: play other instruments?
0: Not really. In college I did take guitar and I did a um, ukulele class as well but and I play those some but I'm not proficient right at anything. I, my,
1: my grandparents were very musically oriented on my mother's side and they had a ukulele in the closet at their house and so as a child i thought that was the most fascinating instrument just because it was small and it would fit my size as a and when i was in childhood right i never learned how to play it but my grandmother could play it it's, and my grandfather too i think could could strum on it and make it sound pretty good
0: it's a stringed instrument that you can pick up pretty quickly because it's because it only has four strings, so right. um, it's it's a fun instrument. Yeah, the sound of it and uh, the ability to quickly pick it up.
1: So you played the piano just starting very early. Have you played in most of the churches that you've been a part of, or it's kind of been sporadic here and there?
0: Um, I have played in several churches where where we have been. Um, I would say in our church that we were in, uh, in Birmingham, not as much. I did help with the um, children's choir and the students and played some as a company as them, but as far as in church, I did not.
1: Okay. So share a little bit about, I know we're going to get to what you do here at Crosspoint in terms of Crosspointers, but I'm sure you've done a variety of things in churches that you've been a part of, what are some things that you have done musically to help the worship program?
0: Well, um, wherever um, Carl's job um, has led us, I've been blessed to have been a part of several different children's choir programs. I did teach public school before our second child was born, but then when um, she was born, I decided I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, so... Wherever we've been, as the girls were in preschool, I've taught Mother's Day Out programs, kindergarten programs. Um, I've taught preschool, and then in our churches that we've been a part of, I've taught um, children's choir. Um, different ages, uh, I love the the ages that uh, are the activities that go along with the different ages. Preschool, you can be very creative and um As they get older, they can learn more about music and how to match pitch and do a lot of different things. So there's things about each age that I really like. Uh, When we were in Birmingham, another thing that I was able to uh, participate in was the student choir. I directed a girls' ensemble. I helped lead a mixed ensemble, and I was part of a uh, leadership group that uh, provided Uh, preparation for our mission trips that we took for about 11 years that we were there. And so uh, we would go to different places, provide Backyard Bible Club activities, and uh, that was certainly a blessing to me. Uh, One other thing that while we were in Birmingham, I was a part of a team that traveled to Thailand for four years, and we ministered to the um, missionaries from Southeast Asia, they would come to that area and they homeschool their children because they were in an area where, um, of course, you know, language and everything was different. So, um, we provided standardized testing just to let the, the moms know exactly where their children were on their developmental levels. And, uh, one really, um, special thing that I was able to do. I was able to lead music with the elementary school, teach them a little program that we presented to the uh, parents at the end of the conference. And then I uh, worked with the junior high and high school students to uh, be a part of the worship team. And so uh, we did that for four years, and that was just a really, really special time. Um, To be able to sing How Great Is Our God— in Thailand with those missionaries is just an experience I'll never forget. Um, and uh, they were so appreciative of us being there. Um, as you know, they're lonesome, they're, they're tired, and um, they really need that encouragement. So we were able to be a part of a team that uh, hopefully provided some of that for them
1: i appreciate what you've just said about those missionary families i think that's been one of the things i've had to learn in the mission trips that i've been on is often you go anticipating reaching the community or sharing the gospel with people but the reality is your greater ministry as a team is often to the missionaries themselves because of what you just said they're lonely they've been there waiting for somebody to encourage them and there there really isn't anyone to encourage them so when a mission team comes in they're hungry for that encouragement and that love.
0: Right. They're tired, and and you just need to just provide um, whatever they need um, for them at that time, and to to hear their stories, how they reach the people. Um, And I guess my um, thought process had been of missionaries, they go and they preach and people come, but it's such a slow process of building that trust um, in the people and how they go into the mountains to the people groups that have never heard uh, the gospel and how they um, work with those people slowly and, um, like I said, develop that trust and how they reach the children. I know one family um, in Cambodia, they provide a floating basketball court and when the kids see that coming down the river, they're just so excited. And um, that so way, so this
1: court literally they float it down the river it to different down places. the river,
0: so the kids get to come on and play, and then they can share the gospel. And another family, the the husband is a veterinarian, and he works with the people um, and their and the animals that are sick and need him. So they develop that trust in what. His knowledge is, and therefore He can lead them uh, to Christ. So That's uh, just to hear their stories is is remarkable.
1: And I, I appreciate the fact that your team had enough people to go and actually do like a choir or a program with their children, because I'm sure that meant a lot to the children. You weren't just there ministering to the parents. You were also doing something that had some meaning for the kids and the teenagers, And sometimes mission teams don't ever think about what could we do for those two groups. They're just so focused on either sharing the gospel or ministering to the parents, but they don't think about the children.
0: They were very appreciative. And uh, the first year uh, we went, we did a patriotic program. And to see those children where they live in those different countries, but then come together and sing America the Beautiful, um, it was just a very moving uh, experience. But that I'll mean. never forget.
1: Now, do you know if that church that you were a part of in Birmingham, do they still go to Thailand every
0: year? They do not go there uh, every year. Um, I'm not sure. I think some other groups are going, but I don't think our church ha- there has the leadership role that it did. It, it, I see. Some of the missionaries there that we had the connections with are not there anymore. So um, it's kind of changed a little bit.
1: Right. I think the Mississippi Baptist Convention has a partnership with Thailand at some level, or there are some churches in Mississippi, because Adrian Bridges, who was a college student mm-hmm. with us while she was at Mississippi State, she and her mom and family have been to Thailand multiple times right. doing similar things, probably not the same thing, but similar things.
0: Yes, and I've actually talked to them about that, and I actually thought about at one point Uh, going over there and with them, but it never really worked out. But yes, I do know that they do have that partnership with them.
1: Right. All right, take a moment and talk to us about changes that you've seen, good or bad. And I don't think we can just talk about the good. Sometimes we need to talk about the bad to be reminded of some things that maybe we've lost that we need to recapture. But you've been a part of worship ministries through the years. What are changes you've seen? In churches, in that way?
0: Well, I think that because of technology, so much music can be put out so quickly. And I think we as a church have to be very careful um, about choosing songs. Um, Just because it's the latest and greatest, we got to make sure it lines up with scripture. As a congregation, The songs need to be easily singable and a good range for our people. We, as my thought process, you know, I want us to be able to all be worshipers together as a congregation. I never want it to be um, where we see performers on the stage. Um, I think we have to be careful about that. I don't want us to be uh, a people that go to see, go to hear, but I want us to be able to uh, do—participate in worship. Um, So I think, as as if you were writing a research paper and citing footnotes at the bottom, we need to um, look at a song and see if we can figure out and know that it comes from Scripture. And I think lyrics are very important. That we're uh, sharing the gospel in every song that we have, um, and yeah, I love I love hymns. Hymns have withstood the test of time. I don't think we need to throw out hymns just because they're old. I don't think we, like I said, don't think we need to just sing the um, the latest songs just because they've just been written. We really need to investigate and uh, stay true to um, biblical truth as we select our music
1: i appreciate you saying that and that's why i wanted you to talk about this just a brief moment because i think it is easy for us to take the most popular songs bring them into our worship services but in many cases those songs are not written for the congregation they're written for people who are Mm -hmm. super talented and they can sing it really well but the rest of us can't hit those notes and can't sing those tunes and so then we're left, as you just said, we're watching people participate mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. lead the worship, but we're not participating in worship. And right, I know you've talked to me about this, and yes. I think it's a really valid point.
0: Yes, I want it to be a multi-generational worship uh, that the older, the younger people can look at the older people, um, watch and hear them sing. We need to you know, participate as a group, as a congregation. Um, I know some... Sometimes um, the and in churches that I've been to or I've seen on TV, they make the auditorium dark where all you see is the performers up on the stage. But to me, it's it's something we do corporately. It's It's worship that we um, look at each other, we can encourage each other. We're worshiping God, but uh, we can look around and we can see, uh, how can how we can encourage others through our music? Um, we all come from different walks of life. Um, as you've said, there's a lot of um, weddings coming up. so people are coming in happy, um, but there's also people that are dealing with um, serious illnesses, They've lost loved ones. So we need to sing a variety of music that can meet uh, people where they are and their needs.
1: That's a really good point that I don't think we talk enough about and that is that some people need I don't want to say sad songs but moving songs to allow the emotion of what they're going through to filter through their spirit as well. And if we're just singing upbeat joyful songs all the time, it gives a false sense of reality. Right. Of as as a follower of Jesus, there are down moments, but if you right. just sing up songs all the time mm-hmm. you don't ever get that feel right. in worship
0: yeah we need to feel the power uh, that he gives us and through the words that we sing we can be uh, strengthened and like i said we can look around and we can know that so and so is going through something and we can as we sing we can pray for them and um i just feel like um we need to like you said we need to be mindful of that
1: right And one of the reasons I do like, I know all of us at Crosspoint are looking forward to the day when we have our own building, but one of the reasons I do like worshiping in the Greensboro Center as our temporary location is because you've got those big windows on each side. Now, we can't open the ones as you're facing the stage. We can't open the ones on the left because sometimes the sun is so bright it blinds the people sitting on that side, but we always open the one, or I try to open the ones on the right. Because again, it goes back to I don't want it to be a dark environment with just mm-hmm. the stage showing right. up. I want it to be. Let's see what God's creation is doing that day. It could be raining, it could be sunny, it could be windy, but I just think that light coming in and having the visibility right. of the outside is so critical, right? Right to worship.
0: I think so. A singing, worshiping church is what you what you want, and, and like you said, lit up so we can all um, worship together,
1: right? That's good. Okay, so at Crosspoint, you have taken your love for worship, and you have started a group several years ago called Crosspointers, and it's primarily for the children, first through fifth grade. So share a little bit about that and your heart on that.
0: Well, I am thankful to have started this um, creative arts ministry in 2017. Um, and I'm thankful for a church that understands that uh, responsibility and given, has given us the opportunity to uh, begin to teach these children to be lifelong worshipers of God. And when we started uh, this, I um, had a theme verse, and it came from one uh, Psalm 146, verses 1 and 2. It said, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life I will sing praise to my God as long as I live." And so we really want to emphasize how these children can be lifelong worshipers. Uh, We call it a creative arts ministry. Uh, We're not a choir per se. Singing is definitely a part of our uh, ministry, but we worship God through a lot of different means. We use rhythmic instruments, melodic instruments. Uh, We learn sign language. We learn scripture. Uh, we have lummy sticks that we dramatize songs. So we move around and we do a lot of different activities. Um, the Bible does tell us to sing. Uh, 50 times there's a direct reference to singing. Um, so we know it is a command. It's not an if you feel like it, it is a the Bible wants us to sing. Singing helps us in so many different ways remember things. Uh, I've learned the the books of the Bible through singing. I still sing that song in my head sometimes. When you my, tell me uh, my book children, defined.
1: we were having this discussion over Christmas at our house, and some book of the Bible came up. And my kids, one of them, Clancy or Carly Best, started singing uh-huh. the Bible song right. to figure out where it was.
0: Yes, yes. So we we learn Scripture. We learn the books of the Bible. There are a lot of things uh, that we can learn through music. Music is a very 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 powerful tool. And between the ages of 6 and 12, uh, studies have shown that children make significant development in matching pitch and keeping a steady beat. So it is very important um, that we teach these children at this age um, as they develop these musical concepts as well as spiritual concepts.
1: Well, I know y'all have had a great time, and I appreciate you sharing your vision for it because oftentimes on the Sunday mornings at the cross pointer sing, you put me out there to kind of give an explanation of your group because you don't really want to be on right. the stage, and there's nothing wrong with that. But to hear you talk about it is kind of refreshing, and I can hear your passion coming through in that, which is exciting.
0: We we have a good time, we you move do. around a lot. Um, we um, just you know, I want it, like I said, it's it's not just singing. We do match pitch. The, the children learn. Um, I have a, a specific routine I teach them through from the very beginning, and then they learn to expand that, how they match the pitch. They um, have rhythms that they echo, uh, so they're listening as well. So there's just a process that we go through that teaches these children uh, a lot of musical. Um, Terms, but they maybe they may not be uh, realizing it even that, that mm-hmm. what they're getting. But uh, hopefully, when they leave uh, in fifth grade, they'll be able to take this with them and uh, it'll be a benefit.
1: And they usually sing once a semester, right? And I think this year it's going to be this coming semester will be a, uh, April, April the 30th. 30th. That's right.
0: Looking forward to that. And something that I like to do, um, and we've done this uh, the last couple of times. We're going to have a multi-generational choir. Uh, I'm going to get that out soon that uh, will be able to uh, join the, sing- the, the singers on stage. Uh, the worship team will be uh, assisting us as well. So um, we will have a, a good time um, putting that together. And um, parents are always great to help out uh, with that as well.
1: It's been a great group, and if you're listening and you didn't realize this was available, please allow your children to come on Wednesday night. 6 o'clock, is when they practice and do their preparations for the time they lead worship. And even if you're not from Cross Point and your children want to come, they are welcome to come and join us. We would love to have more children be involved in this. We would love that. It's a great ministry. So uh, let's talk for just a minute about some things that you think parents— Uh, can do to foster the love of music and the love of worship because you can't just keep them on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock for an hour and teach them everything about worship and the love of music. So do you have some thoughts that you would share with parents?
0: Well, um, in the worship service, like we've talked about, be a role model, um, sing, uh, be a participant in the service be an encourager to your child to uh, participate as well. Um, And I tell my parents, um, I appreciate their commitment to bringing their children. Um, The children cannot bring themselves. They have to commit. They have to bring them, and uh, I don't take that lightly. I know that in a busy schedule, the busy schedules that they have, um, making time on Wednesday nights sometimes um, might be a struggle, but I have a very committed group of parents. And I wanted to read something that um, uh, uh, some, uh, Pam Andrews actually said, and she writes children's music. And I just I hear this sometimes, um, sometime, and I'll just read what she said. Sometimes I hear our kids don't like to sing. Do they like to do math? their homework? Do they love to go to the dentist or to the doctor? I want you to know that I believe that children's choir or cross-pointers can be loads of fun. Of course, kids do not like some parts of their lives, but as parents and as a church, we still make them do important things because we know it is good for them. Life is not about only eating ice cream. It's about a balanced diet. So I just kind of wanted to... Uh, say that sometimes I hear that and I've heard it through the years my kid doesn't like to sing well um, that's why I provide so many different activities but we need we know that in their life as being lifelong learners and worshipers of God that this is something that they can take with them and learn from and and I do appreciate the parents that have made that commitment I might need
1: to borrow that quote and read it one Sunday morning during a sermon. I think it's an excellent quote. I, I do, too. I like that. I do, too. Very good. I'm glad you read that. <laughs> that was very needed.
0: Uh, well, I, it just it just brings home the point. Uh, your children aren't going to like everything you do for them, but we are the parents. We are the ones making the decisions for them, and um, we know the uh, ultimate goal uh, for these children. And, um I just think that's something that we need to kind of keep in the front of our minds.
1: That's good. I appreciate you sharing those thoughts. Now, we have not really talked about your family. So let's uh, – I had that as an earlier question. I skipped over it because we got into the conversation about your music interest and passion for that. So let's go back and talk about your family. Obviously, you're married to Mr. Carl. And how long have you been married now?
0: We have been married for 43 years. 43. Believe it or not. That's
1: exciting.
0: It is. It is. Uh, we married – I had finished college. He had another year uh, because he uh, was on the co-op program. So we lived in University Village housing in those concrete blocks, and um, I worked at the library. And um, it was a it was kind of a needed break from being in music education and long hours of practice. Um, to work in the library was kind of a good break. Uh, before we really started out and and took our first, he took his first job.
1: And then once he got his degree, his jobs have taken him a variety of places.
0: They have uh, taken him quite a few places. Our first uh, stop was in very North Mississippi, Corinth. Um, we lived there a couple of years. Um, I taught, and um, he um, worked there. We loved it. Great church, great friends. Um, And then we moved to Oxford, of all places. And um, I. um, so I had had a job that I really loved, and um, we had moved in June of that year. And so I kind of like, now, what am I going to do? This was before children. And the Lord just really um, told me I needed to go back to school to get my master's. And Ole Miss was right there uh at our doorstep and I really, really um enjoyed the classes there. I met some really great people. Um Bruce Leslie was in that class, um Luann Travis Ford, Dr. James Travis's daughter was in that class. So we really uh had a great group of uh people that I learned to Study with and work with as we uh, got our master's degrees together. Um, So, the Lord, I can see where He really placed me there at the right time. We lived there for six years, so I was able to get my master's, and then I taught school um, in Calhoun City and then at Oxford Junior High. And then our second child was born, and I decided I wanted at that point to be a stay at home mom. So, I did, and then We moved to Jackson soon after that. Uh, We lived in Jackson for five years. Then we moved to Hattiesburg for a couple. And um, you were talking about the different places the Lord uh, has put me as a helpmate to Carl um, at Oak Grove. They did not have a music program. Really? Did not have an elementary music program. So, of course... I was the parent that uh, went to the PTO meeting and um, just really was concerned about that. And uh, they did not really have the funds at that time, but they said if you want to volunteer, you're you're welcome to do that. So uh, the girls were kindergarten and second grade, and I was a volunteer for their for their grades. And so uh, and
1: got a music program going. And
0: I did well for their. For their grades, yeah. we worked on a program. We presented it at the PTO meeting. And parents, again, were, were very appreciative of that. But um, And that was good for me because we moved there. I didn't know anybody. So um, I enjoyed uh, participating in that. We were members of Temple Baptist Church there. So right. uh, we had a great church family there as well.
1: Wow. And
0: then... Um, Let's see. We moved back to Brandon for a few years, uh, only for three, so we knew people there. And then um, we moved to Mandeville. Carl's job took us to New Orleans and lived in Mandeville for a year and then moved up to um, Shreveport, Louisiana, North Louisiana, for three. um, The girls were um, then in junior high. High school, Will was still preschool, but um, we were able to get involved in music at our church, and I worked with students there right. as well, with mission trips, too. So, And then Birmingham for 12, and then um, on to Dallas for a couple of years uh, before we ended up in Starville.
1: Wow. Well, the joke at our church, for those of you who are listening, is the basins have been a part of every church in the country, so if you mention a church, <laughs> they'll go... We were members there at one time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've been a few places and met a lot of wonderful people. Um, The Lord has uh, provided um, me uh, with um, ministries wherever Carl has been uh, placed, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, I never would have um, imagined us being able to go so many places and uh, being involved in ministry as many places as we were but um, it's it's been a wonderful um, career for him and uh, a place for me to get involved uh, wherever he's been. And I like the the motto where God guides, He provides, and He certainly has done that for That's
1: us. Neat. Well, on the positive side, I know we give y'all the hard time about being a part of so many churches. But on the positive side, I've never heard you talk about a place where you've lived that you've not found a church and plugged in. And some people move to new locations, and they never find a church because they don't really work at it. But every time I've talked to the two of you, you've always mentioned how you found a church, you got plugged in, and those people in that church became some of your best friends. Right. And they still are today.
0: Yes, we have people in every place that um, we keep up with, if it's nothing more than maybe a Christmas card. But um, we have met some wonderful people. That has always been a priority for us. Um we wanted our children to be involved in a children's group or youth group, wherever we are, um to be involved with um a group of, of believers and um the Lord certainly has done that. It sometimes it took us a while, um several months. It'd be nice to just move up and then automatically know in the next month where you were going, but we visited several churches. Birmingham um, took us a while because there were so many great churches, and but we really um, felt like uh, after, after several months, uh, we certainly made the right decision, and we were very thankful uh, how God worked in that to bring us to um, our church there, Green Valley Church in Birmingham.
1: That's great. You have battled through a bout with cancer, and that was a huge part of your life for a season and still is to a degree. So share with us about that.
0: Well, um, I went in for what I thought was a routine colonoscopy in 2007. Um, Carl had gone in just a few weeks ahead of me and... um, everything was fine, and so I guess I thought, well, I'm just going to do that and get it over with, and I had my coffee ready to drink right after we finished everything, but as I was waking up, I heard um, the doctors and nurses talking, and I knew that it was not good, and um, later on, I was told uh, by our uh, gastro uh, doctor that I had... um, Colon cancer. He had found um, cancer in my colon as he did a colonoscopy, and, and
1: you didn't have any symptoms. I did whatsoever. not have
0: any symptoms uh, at all, and um, so it was a, a very much a shock to us. Uh, he said, "I um, see that you have cancer. Uh, we're just going to keep you here at the hospital." I was at Brookwood in uh, Birmingham. He said, I'm going to talk to a surgeon. Uh, I think you're going to have surgery tomorrow. Wow. So um, I did. I had a resection of, the co- of my colon. And uh, then the oncologist came in. She said, um, we have found out that you have stage 3 colon cancer. Um, we're going to get a plan together. Uh, you're going to have chemo for several months. So I had the the port uh, placed and then uh, a few weeks later, I started the chemo. So it was about seven months of chemo that I had. Um, so that was a tough time. Uh, we had family and friends that really reached out to us um, and very thankful for our church, family there uh, and those um, in that in our community that did uh, help us through that time. But I remember just feeling such a burden. Um, of the shock plus the burden of it's cancer, you know, what's going to be the outcome. And, and I remember telling Carl, you know, we we talked about it all the time. I said, I cannot, I cannot just do this. I cannot talk about it and have this thought all the time. We've got to get back to a normal life uh, as best we can And so I just really had to pray and release that uh, to the Lord and just say, however you intend to use this, Lord, I just want to be available and able to go through this. But I cannot bear this burden myself. So we went through uh, several months of chemo. But thankfully, um, the next uh, year, I had um, a scan. They did see that the cancer had been was gone. I was healed, thankfully. Um, I still have to go back yearly for checkups. Um, They do continue to find polyps. I have to have them removed. But um, I'm very, very thankful that um, it was found when it was, and um, I was able to be healed.
1: So how old were your children at the time when this happened?
0: Um, The girls were in school here. At Mississippi Mississippi State. State. Will was in sixth grade. Wow. So I wanted their lives, especially Will's, um, to go on as normal. Um, He was on a soccer team, uh, just, you know, normal little boy stuff. I remember telling Carl, just leave the hospital, go, you know, just be a dad with him because I really wanted him to not feel um, so much anxiety uh, from everything that was going on. Of course he did, but um, the girls uh, came home quite a bit to help as much as they could. Uh, They were members, like I think I said, or maybe I didn't, but they were members of the BSU. Um, People in the BSU here at Mississippi State were praying for them. Um, So um, we had people really praying for us, and um, that just helped us through that time. But um, it was, it was a, a time in my life. It was a, a life-changing experience.
1: Now, in terms of your faith, did you ever go through periods in that stretch where you were doubting what God was doing, or you had questions? Or how, how did that work out spiritually?
0: I don't know that I really doubted. Um, our faith is, is strong, um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a fun time. It wasn't a, a time when we just threw up our arms and, you know, said why. But um, we just really put our faith and trust in God and knew that He was going to lead us through. We didn't know really how, at the time, but um, we knew He was going to be with us.
1: And it's so amazing to me how you're now at Crosspoint years later. And we've got Miss Tammy Allen going through a cancer situation. Now, hers is obviously different from yours. But I feel like you probably have a better understanding of the different emotions and feelings that she probably is going through, as well as Mr. Peter and her two girls, because you've been through this.
0: Right. And just the shock, I think that was one thing that we really had to just work through ourselves, Um, just not knowing that anything was going on, and then be um, faced with so much at one time with the surgery and then the chemo and and just everything um, going to the appointments for the chemo and my blood count would be low. They couldn't do the chemo. The disappointment of just that whole journey. Um, you know, there were a lot of tears, but um, we're we're just so thankful that God led us through that. And hopefully I can be um, an encouragement to others right. going through this.
1: It just reminds me of how you know it talks about Paul wrote, how God comforts us in our time of need, and then we're able to turn around and comfort others because right. we've been through this similar circumstance. And, right. and I, I love for people to share their stories like this because, again, I don't want anybody to get the false notion that just because you follow Jesus— it means everything's going to work out rosy and be perfect, because it doesn't. We right. still live on a sin-dominated world, and right. we all still face the effects of sin daily. Right. right, right, But our faith can stay strong.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Even as we go through these circumstances. Right,
0: right, right. And hopefully um, I I've, hopefully we um, shared that and showed that as we went through. But um, I know it's a difficult journey, Um Right. As you go through it.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that for us. So you've mentioned your two daughters and your son in passing, but go ahead and tell everybody about them and their spouses and your grandchildren, because you've been blessed to have not just children and now uh, children-in-laws or whatever you want to call that, but grandchildren.
0: Yes, yes. Um, Our older daughter, Deanna, and her husband, Andy, he is a worship pastor at Stephen Street Baptist Church in Cookville, Tennessee, And they have been blessed with two sets of twins. They're 10 and 7. So they're very um, involved there uh, in Cookville. And um, Deanna works um, as a media and marketing manager for Rising Above Ministries, which meets uh, the needs of special needs families. Uh, They just had their Night to Shine event uh, I was going to ask you if she
1: participated in that.
0: She did. Uh, And so that was a great event. And they... Provide material uh, online conferences for people around the world. Um, It's really amazing how that ministry has grown. So um, they live there, and and, uh, very, uh, as you know, him being a worship pastor, very plugged in uh, there in that community. Allison is our second daughter, and they live in Birmingham. Her husband, Chris, uh, has been in the Air Force. Uh, he is now Air Force Reserve um, beginning last summer because he is now pilot for Delta Airlines. And they have three children, which uh, they're seven, five, and three. So Allison's a stay-at-home mom, and she's very busy with them. Will is our son, and um, he lives in Ocala, Florida. He's married to Mary, um, and she's a marketing coordinator for a pregnancy center there and they just had a little baby back in September. So Sam is almost five months old.
1: And you just saw him over the weekend. We did. had a great time we visiting did. with them.
0: Yes, yes. We try to make the rounds at least once a quarter um, because uh, they're all changing, growing, and all involved in so many different activities. So um, we want to keep up with what everybody's doing.
1: And when they all come to your house, it's a house full now. It is
0: a house full. Now we have 16 We have eight adults and eight children, so uh, it's man-to-man there uh, for a little (laughs) while. But it's a great time.
1: That's good. Now, before we finish, um, I do want to mention Andy, who is your son-in-law, and he is a uh, worship leader up there in Cookville, Tennessee. He did a Wednesday night where he spoke at his church, and uh, it was about a 45-minute Bible study, and it was outstanding. And you allowed me to see it. And it goes into some of these things that we talked about earlier, how worship has changed and maybe how we should think more about the lyrics that we're using and the lighting and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can tag that to our podcast so that if people want to click that link and then go to it, I think it would be an outstanding opportunity for them to hear Andy's perspective, which was fantastic. It was very biblically sound. And I thought it was one of the best overviews of worship. That I've heard in a long time.
0: He does a good job of really studying and um, pulling his thoughts, and like you said, um, how it's based on what the Bible says and um, what what we need to hear um, as a church. And I um, I really do um, appreciate what he put together there.
1: Right. Last question. You've been married for 43 years. What would you share with our young couples who are on the front end of marriage based on what you and Mr. Carl have been through? What are some thoughts, insights, wisdom?
0: Wisdom. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I feel like as, as a young couple, you need to really sit down, talk about your goals um, professionally, uh, in your Christian life, um, it's it's you need to kind of know where you want to go on the front end uh, before you have children, and you're kind of pulled in different directions. But um, me, as a wife, um, I knew Carl's job. Um, I didn't really know, you know, where it would take us. But um, for him to advance, um, we had to move. And um, you've got to be willing to um, pick up and and go places. Uh, Every place we um, lived, we loved, and we were just crying like crazy when we left because we really settled in and put roots down. But we knew that God was guiding and He would provide for us. But I, I have heard throughout our career, I've heard wives say, well, he can go, but I'm staying here, and and I feel like that that's something you really need to have a discussion about on the front end because you need to be a team and you need to work together, um, and you need to know kind of where your goals are. Um, uh, like I said, professionally and um, in your Christian life. Um, so those are my that's
1: thoughts. A, those are very good thoughts. I appreciate you sharing those. That's excellent. Well, Ms. Shara, I hope we have made this as painless as possible. I know we've got Sarov here in the room, and he's taking care of all the technical stuff behind the scenes. But I think you've done a fantastic uh, job. Well,
0: thank you for having me. You did make it an easy process. Um, a little nervous, but um, you you made it an easy process Well,
1: good and that maybe can be an encouragement to others that we're going to approach in the near future about doing a podcast with us from our church maybe they will hear your encouragement yes and they'll be willing to come do it as well
0: if i can do it anybody can i'll say that
1: (laughs) (laughs) well we appreciate it so much and uh, for those of you who have been listening thank you for joining us for today's discover crosspoint podcast we hope this has helped you to get to know our church family in a better way And uh, we will have other people from our church family coming and joining us in future episodes. So please uh, continue to listen and share it with those that you feel like might enjoy uh, hearing these personal stories and testimonies. And uh, we think this can really build up the body of Christ that we call Crosspoint. We hope you have a great day and come again and join us for the next Discover Crosspoint podcast.